Hey there. I'm Sammy. And I'm Mandy. And you're listening to Ice Cream Sunday, not Ice Cream Social. Like <laughs> so that's what we're going um, with now. <laughs> yeah, well, because we're doing them on Sundays, mm-hmm. you know, and a Sunday is a, well, I don't know. Should we do Sunday or social? Maybe we just leave it to the people. Maybe every other episode we'll say a different thing until until we decide how we feel just about it. Just keeps changing titles until something strikes, right? Yeah, why not? I can change the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, so today we are discussing a classic 1981 film, Hell Night, which I had not previously seen. So now I'm in the newbie seat. Um, and I watched this yesterday and took a lot of notes and also crocheted a little bit but it was really hard to do because a lot happens in this movie so much happens um yeah i I would like i was like working on something and then i was like wait a minute someone's screaming and i just like looked away from the screen and i missed it and then i'd have to rewind and i'm like all right obviously i can't get any crafting done Mm -hmm. with this is not a craftable movie yeah so well what did you think you being this your first this was your first time watching it what were your thoughts did you like it this is like this is my first time watching it. All right, like so, so like uh, general review, non spoiler. Um, it very much felt like a 1981 slasher movie. <laughs> it was like exactly what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, um, it made sense who got left inside the house because they were the better actors. Yes. Um, so they should have gotten left inside the house because we had to watch them more. Um, so I was, I was really happy. I actually thought the acting was, uh, pretty, pretty decent, uh, for the folks in the house. Uh, the folks outside the house, not so much. Um, and that's, I think all I can say without giving away too much. Um, but I was also very excited, um, because I have like a weird affinity with Vince Van Patten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just because I worked at, at the Potawatomi Bingo Casino where he was the um, spokesperson for a really long time. What? I didn't know this. Talk about this a little bit. Well, so Vince Van Patten was like the face of Potawatomi Bingo Casino for like, I don't know, a long time, like 10 years or something. And he is a professional gambler. So... That is his livelihood now, and he's really good at it. Um, so he kind of views it as like, you know, if uh, you come in with a certain amount of money and if you lose it all, it was a bad day at work. And if you win, it was a good day at work. He's like very not attached emotionally to his money. That is apparently the key to being good at gambling. Yes. Um. So he like he does a lot of I, I know poker at least, but I think he plays some other games too but um yeah so obviously he was an actor and then he became like a professional gambler and that's why he was the face of Potawatomi Bingo Casino so he wasn't just like this guy who talked about gambling which I always thought was kind of cool like that you're getting somebody who like this is their job not that I mean there's a whole lot of I'm not going to get into the whole it's really hard to watch people with gambling addictions uh 
<laughs> bet their money away. That's not easy. Um, but I but I met a lot of people there when I worked there who like treated it like their job too. Like you meet a lot of people who this is their job or this is like a major source of income for them. Um, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. But it it's true. I mean, you know, I've met a lot of like professional like poker players and stuff. Um, and like off track betters and stuff. That's um, wild to me. <laughs> yeah. So, and because everything, everything at Potawatomi is in-house. So all of the advertising that they do is done in-house. They actually have a staff that will do like all the filming and stuff. Um, I wasn't part of that, those goings on. I was a wait, I was a part of the wait staff and I was a cocktail server. So I didn't, I never met him, but a lot of my friends met him. Uh-huh. Because when he would come and, like, film a promo or he would be there for some kind of, you know, competition or something like that, then he would be on site and he would be eating at the restaurants and stuff. Oh. Mm-hmm. That I d- and I've heard he was nice, like a nice guy. What doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I, I did not yeah. come in here expecting to hear this story. <laughs> I have a Vince, yeah, I have a Vince Van Patten story. Uh, no, but I, yeah, I never met him, but my friend said he was nice. The one comment that I remember them saying, though, is that he looked older in person. And I was like, well, that's just makeup. Yeah. <laughs> that's just makeup and lights and whatever. But yeah, I, I've never heard anything bad about him. So I always thought it was cool that he had like a good reputation. Now, I don't know if someone has like a bad Vince Van Patten story. I I, I don't know, but um. I had always heard good things working there. And then and then I watched The Real Housewives and um, his wife, Eileen, was on the show for, uh, I think, like three seasons. She wasn't on it for super long, but she was on it for long enough to be established. And Eileen Davidson, for anybody who doesn't know, is like a big soap opera He's married actor. to Eileen Davidson? Yeah. What? Kristen? Yes. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So, yeah. So they've been married for quite a while. Um, but I think they both had kids from previous. I know I'm trying to remember. I feel like there was some like blended family stuff going on. And then I think they have some kids together, too. I can't remember exactly. One of them, I think, had kids from a previous relationship. and But anyway, um, yeah, they've been together for a really long time now. Uh, and. I really liked their dynamic too because because they were both like actors and she calls them like Vinny and it's super like they just seem really cute yeah. like th- like they really love each other and that makes me feel nice. Um and she really is supportive of of like the things that he does and and you know like that he wants to and and he set up some like poker night with the boys but he takes it super seriously because of what he does, you know? So it's like, you know, it's not like a normal, like, you know, hey, chilling snacks and pennies, poker night or whatever. You know, he's like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. And I got the, and he, and he does it up and he's got the chips and the whole thing. And, you know, um, but yeah, they're, they always seemed like a very cool couple. And I really liked Eileen on the show. Yeah. Um, she, she just seems very cool as well. Um, so I just, I got very excited because I didn't really realize who was in this movie before I started it. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. What? Like, I was like, oh, my God, Linda Blair. And then I was like, Vince Van Patten. Like, 
And I have more of a tie to Vince Van Patten, obviously. Yeah. So that was exciting and for me. Did you know Linda Blair was like nominated for a Razzie for this film? And I feel that like that was very unfair. I don't. I thought that's super unfair. She was like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Like by far. Is it just because she was like the most famous person in the movie? I don't know. I think I think like the deck was stacked against this movie just for the fact that like in the early 80s, people were churning out slasher films like gumballs. And I don't think I think it just got kind of brushed over because it is it was coming on the heels of Halloween and um, a lot of critics were just calling it uh, a Halloween ripoff, which also feels very unfair. I have a lot of feelings about this movie. But yeah, that feels unfair. Um, well, let's just get let's just get into it yeah. then. Um, but okay, I will say at the very beginning of the movie, they do like such an like it was such a 70s, 80s thing. God, even like a 90s thing to do mm-hmm. where you're just like you're just like vomiting exposition. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're just telling me and I just want you to show me. Yes. But it was like, we're going to cut down on time and we're just going to tell you that, you know, Marty is a new pledge. And uh, yeah, she's got clothes and a car and a, the best room. And we're just we're just going to put that out there, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to tell you who every character is by having these conversations, which is probably the easiest way to do it. But um but they really laid out so much in like the first 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, such exposition. Wow. Um, but yeah, like, so we've got, let's see. So we've got Marty. Mm-hmm. She's a new pledge. Um, she was talking with May, right? Okay. And then um, they were looking over at, at Peter, who is the president of the frat mm-hmm. um and they're at this party and then they get in this like weird caravan with torches yeah i know you have like some insight into greek life and yeah i watched this and i felt like mm, i don't think this happens i'll have to ask yeah. sammy well yeah i mean i'm Okay, here's the stuff that was confusing to me. Is this supposed to be hazing of of new people? Yes. Is that what it's supposed to be? Okay, so here's all the reasons why it's wrong. Um, you would never combine a frat and a sorority and do the hazing together. That would never happen. Uh, if your recruitment size was that small, then you are losing a lot of money and your house is going to go under in a year or two. If you only have like two new people. Mm-hmm in your house like you're fucked uh why do you only have two new pledges um because like every year we would have god i'm trying to think like probably like 25 to 30 new pledges yeah so if you're only bringing in two new people to your house like your house is gonna go broke because the you have to keep your pledge numbers up so that you can fund like the mansion because i mean i legit lived in a mansion yes you know like you have to fund that mansion you're living in with the people who are living in it. So I was like, this is very confusing and very inefficient. Why would you only haze like two people at a time? And like, you know, from each house Mm -hmm. and why would you do it together? And 
yeah, everything about that was very confusing. But the only, and I feel like they only really talked about Marty being a new pledge. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Did I miss something? I thought that Denise was also a new pledge. I mean, I think she was, but I don't feel like they laid it out the way they did with Marty yeah. was my point. It was just kind of like, it was like, we're all driving over to this old house, but then we're all going to leave and the four of you are going to stay here. And I was like, that was a really big production to just leave four people yeah. there. And uh, yeah, and it, also, like my big question that like kind of occurred to me is if like this is a regular if this is a tradition and i got the feeling that this was a tradition um why did spoiler alert person decide to pick um this particular pledge hazing to like just say oh this is enough of these damn kids messing up my cream city brick i'm just gonna kill everyone yeah that that was weird too right like how could it have how could shit not have gone down more than once? Yeah. Maybe that's why the si- the pledge sizes are so small. Cuz they they all actually know that like this is a murder thing. Yeah, and then they just like found well then they found the girl who's like the two girls who are not from around here. Yeah. to do it to. But then they pro- well no, I don't know. Yeah, none of that makes sense. That that is like I think that's just a plot hole. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, I don't know. The, all of that stuff was very confusing to me. Okay, I will I will admit a caper that I was involved in as um, a sorority girl. Uh, I've told this story a f- couple times, but I mean, I can't get in trouble for it now. No, you can't. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, so I was a freshman and I had just pledged to my sorority. For the record, we did not do any hazing. Mm-hmm. Um, at our house and they were like, why? And, and our sisters were like, why would we do that? We like you guys. <laughs> like, I mean, why would we do something mean to you? That's stupid. And I was like, I love this. Like that just kind of solidified, like I'm in the right place because there were other houses that I heard did hazing, you know? Yeah. They like joked about it for a minute because they were like, we're going to brand your asses with lighters because they made up some story where they're like 10 years ago, you know, the girls did this and then they we were on 10 year probation. Well, guess what, bitches? Probation is up. And then they were like, just kidding. That's stupid. And I was like, oh, but then, uh, but then there were all these rumors in the morning. We were like, they put laxatives in the donuts and they were like, we didn't do anything like, cause they, cause they were being really pushy and they were like, have you eaten yet? Have you eaten? Can you eat breakfast? Did you eat breakfast? You got to eat something. Please eat something. And we're like, why are they being so pushy about food? Did they put laxatives in the donuts? And then it was like, they put laxatives in the donuts. Um, but really it was just uh, when you pledge, you're like, it's very ceremonial, right? Like everybody's wearing white and you're in the basement and there's this like aisle you walk down and you've got to say things and repeat things what? or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, it's a long, it's a long process. Uh-huh. Like it takes a really long time. It's like three hours to get everyone pledged. And they're like, we don't want because I guess last year, two girls passed out because they didn't eat anything. <gasps> so they were forcing us to eat so that we wouldn't pass out. But it sounded so suspicious that we were like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> are you trying to do something to us? My, Which is just awful. My, my knowledge of Greek life is so rudimentary. And by rudimentary, I mean like 
I just assumed like if you were pledging, it was like a interview process and they'd be like, okay, you're in like there. I didn't know that there was pageantry and like a cult in the basement. Oh yeah. There's pageantry. There's, um, memories. Like there's, you have to memorize facts about the house that you're joining. So like the history of it, what chapter you are, you have to learn like the Greek alphabet, you know, Oh, you get quizzed. And you have to like answer a quiz hmm. and stuff. Anyway, it's a yeah, it's a whole thing. That's too much. Um, it wasn't that bad. Our house wasn't that bad. Other houses, like I said, were more intense. Um, but I did, I did get involved in a in a heist or a caper, uh, if you will. And I wasn't living in the house at the time because, like I said, it was my freshman year, so I had just pledged. Um, so I was in the house, but I was like still living in my dorm. And I get a phone call from one of my sisters and she's like, what are you doing right now? I was like, I don't know. I'm just hanging out in my room. Why? And she's like, uh, do you want to like, uh, or no, she said, come to the, come to the Kappa house and wear something inconspicuous. That's all she told me. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, I'm like dressing in like all black. Right. I'm like, that's inconspicuous. And I show up and they're all wearing like, like neon animal print bright trucker hats and crazy shit and i'm like what are you even wearing yeah and they're and they're like one of the one of my sisters was holding like an industrial sized garbage bag over her shoulder and then in her other hand she's got a bottle of merlot and she's taking swigs out of it and she was like hey so uh we're going around and stealing stuff and we were wondering if you wanted to join us and i was like okay uh, and we went to every fraternity house on campus and stole something from the frat house. Uh, and each one of us knew the door codes to like, like I knew the door codes to like two or three houses and they knew the door codes to the other ones. So we all like complimented each other in that way. Or we knew someone who would let us in and we knew someone who would tell us, oh yeah, this guy's a dick. You should steal his whatever. Um, and so we stole the dumbest shit. We stole like, um, like I said, in the previous episode, there was a ball pit in one of the fraternities and we stole some, a ball oh. <laughs> from the ball pit. Um, a giant, uh, plastic skeleton, um, a paddle. Okay. Uh, cause you know, everybody's got paddles. Um, <laughs> I had a paddle. Uh, <laughs> um, what else? Mugs, you know, like dumb shit, glassware. Uh, like it wasn't anything. Well, there was one. I I don't even think I should admit this uh, in a podcast. I will say there's one thing that we took that I immediately felt bad about. Uh-oh. Um, and I still feel bad about it. Uh, it probably is still being passed down in the sorority. Oh, no. So it's probably safe in a way. It, I'm sure it didn't get thrown away, but it definitely isn't at that fraternity house anymore. And I don't even think I should say what it is. I'll tell you after. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> so we were, we were still on campus. It was like one of the last days before graduation. And I had to stay on campus late because I was a music student. So I had to play for graduation. So there weren't that many people left on campus and there were no finals left anymore. So it was like, everybody was just like partying and just doing random shit, you know? And so that's kind of the headspace we were in. And, uh, yeah, so that's, 
that's the kind of thing that I would never think would actually happen. And we did. Um, but we definitely never did like a car caravan with torches, Mm -hmm. but all at the same time, like we were a really small campus. Like you could walk everywhere you needed to go. You know, everything was in walking distance. You never really had to get in a car to go anywhere unless you wanted to go like to a restaurant off campus or like to the bougie Goodwill that we had. Um, But outside of that, we didn't really even get in cars. So that was strange. Um, And going to like an old mansion, I mean, we didn't really, outside of the sorority and fraternity houses that we had, there were definitely not any other nice houses by us. Yeah. So, because this was like rural Indiana. I mean, you... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I mean, you know, like one of our restaurants got shut down because somebody brought a deer that they hit into the kitchen. Oh, no. And was starting to process it in the kitchen. Was it Old and Country so we, Buffet? No, it was, it was a Mexican restaurant. It was just like one of the kitchen guys brought it in. But I was so sad because I loved that place. Mm-hmm. And we, luckily we had two Mexican restaurants near campus, but the other one was like not as good because oh, it didn't because this one had beer towers, so obviously superior. Um, so I, I was very sad when they closed, and it sucked because it was like it wasn't even. I don't even think like management knew what was going on. You know what I mean? It was just like one guy who had like not the brightest idea. That's so stupid. <laughs> I know. I was like, no, why are you like, you know like harming this place just because of one dude's bad idea. Oh, well, but anyway, um, that's the kind of environment we were in just to paint the picture for you, (laughs) you know? And, and like, you know, we had a Kroger, uh, and yeah, there was like the Goodwill was pretty nice. Uh, but if you wanted to go see a movie, uh, we had like a tiny, like little movie theater on campus that really wasn't much of anything, Um, so if you wanted to go see like a new movie, you would have to drive at least 30 minutes, uh, if not an hour to get into the city, uh, to go see a movie. (laughs) And like, I would say once a month we'd drive into the city and it felt very fancy. And we're talking about Indianapolis. I just like want everybody to, to imagine like how desperate you have to be to be like, wow, Indianapolis, I've really made it. Indianapolis is beautiful. Indianapolis is really nice, but it's small. It is. It's super small. There's not like a lot to do. I really like Broad Ripple. Um, I got my first tattoo on Broad Ripple. Uh, so I feel like I, you know, have street cred there or something. Um, I had a guy at a Qdoba uh, in Indianapolis try to tell me uh, that vegetales was vegetables in Spanish when I was a Spanish minor. That was weird. Um, those are my memories of Indianapolis and there was a steak and shake there and that was a big deal. Yes. Um, (laughs) no, I'm just saying like coming from, coming from like, you know, I can drive to Chicago in not too much time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I live, you know, near a city of a half million people like that Indianapolis was the most exciting thing happening in my life at the time was like a definitely a a shift for me. (laughs) That was like a different life experience. Um, but anyway, so I don't know uh, about other uh, frats or sororities if they would 
I just can't imagine anybody sinking this much energy into four people. Yes. Is my point. Um, and also I just love, it's, it's such a like white thing to be like, you know what? I'm going to break this lock with a gun. (laughs) Like for real. I was like so exhausted by that. Um, well, and then like the risk involved, like, I don't know much about guns, but couldn't like, wasn't there like, there's a serious risk that bullet could like bounce and hit you. Yes. Yeah, everything about it was – that's why I'm saying it was just, like, such a white thing Very. to do. Like, not not thought through. <laughs> you know, no no, I, no thinking of consequences. Um, but, yeah, so they're, they're heading to Garth Manor, mm-hmm. uh, party on. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the <laughs> – I will say, I mean, it's 1981. I wasn't that shocked. But, like, all of the, like, objectifying of Denise was, like, a lot to handle. (laughs) It was. Um, That being said, I love Denise as a character. Yeah, Denise was cool. They really, like, at this point in slasher history, the tropes already exist. They leaned into the tropes, but I really appreciate um, how they layered the characters i feel more than a lot of um their contemporaries did at the time yeah i would agree with that i think they gave them more of a personality than you would expect yeah like instead of just like picking them off one by one before you even get to know them i was i was i feel like i was invested in a little bit in each of them but especially denise because she just reminded me so much of like that friend everyone has that like really hot mess party girl and i feel like a lot of horror movies when they write the hot mess party girl who's like more sexually liberated that translates into her being like really just mean and terrible and every hot mess party girl i've ever met has been like the kindest most affable person i've ever seen in my life like yes you have there's times where you have to like go go pick her up in the middle of the night and take her home but she would do the same for you and I feel like Denise is one of those. Yeah. And she'd probably buy you brunch as a thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, that's fine then. <laughs> you're cute. That's you're so cute, Denise. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Fine, Denise. Um, so, so when, once they start getting into Garth Manor and, and who, was it Peter who gave the tour? Who gave the tour? It was Peter. Yeah. So once he starts giving the tour, that's when I was like, oh, here's all that language you warned me about. Yeah. <laughs> um. So basically, he's laying out what happened at the house. And he's talking about, like, developmental disabilities and, like, physical deformities and stuff in, you know, like, not gentle ways. And... uh and basically, like, the dad of this house, like, killed everyone and then himself mm-hmm. um, beca- because they were also fucked up. Mm-hmm. And um, the only body I think that was unaccounted for was Andrew's. And Andrew was, like, one of the, one of the sons. Sons, yeah. Um, so, and then, oh, and then, oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to say that he used an acronym uh, that I had never heard before. Huh. Uh, God only really knows. I had never heard that before. 
I know. Um, okay, I'm just gonna say it, and I'm just gonna say I didn't know what this was, mm-hmm. and and I don't think it's like it's not like the worst thing in the world. And I don't know. My point is, I don't know if they still use it as a medical term. If they do, that's really fucked up. Yeah. Uh, but but I like Googled it because he said it a couple oh, times. Yeah, and I was I like, know is now. that a real word? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Ugh, I'm just gonna say it and. No, should I say it? I don't know if I should. Um, you can spell it. Yeah, well, so, but spelled out, it's God only really mm-hmm. knows. Um, so just take the first letter from all of that and you'll know what I'm saying. Because yeah. I don't, I don't want to say and it. And it rhymes, it rhymes with Mork. It rhymes with Mork. Um, but basically it's, it's supposed to be, uh, for a terminal patient whose brain is non-functional and the rest of their body can be kept functioning only by extensive use of mechanical devices and nutrient solutions. So, you know, that's, yeah. So anyway, so he was talking about someone in the house like that. And I was like, I don't think I've, I was like, I don't know if I know that word. And then I Googled it and I was like, Oh, um, I've probably heard it before, but never made the connection because it just sounded like a made up word, you know, but anyway, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. The early eighties uh, were, <laughs> that's not where you go for sensitivity. Yeah. I mean, the first time I looked for it, I did search it in incognito mode. Cause I was like, I just don't know. Um, but Basically, it's it's kind of that that standard convention, right? They got to stay here for the night. Um, of course, when you pan out to, and it was like a costume party too. Was it Halloween or was it just a party costume? Party? I I feel like it was Halloween. Okay, yeah. And then you see like at least one guy culturally appropriating with his outfit because, of course, yeah, um, I see like a headdress and I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and yeah, so then this is where in my notes I was like, why are only four people stuck here? It makes no sense. Um, and then I got very excited because baby Vince Van Patten is so cute. He's adorable um, in this movie. He's really, really cute in this movie. It's really sweet. And his little Robin Hood outfit mm-hmm. very cute. Um, so what and this is enough. This is weird. This is actually I wrote this note unironically, like not thinking about Potawatomi. But I love that Denise hides everything in her boobs, because that's what I did when I worked at Potawatomi is I would just hide everything in my boobs because like, we weren't technically supposed to bring things out on the floor with us. But eh, I mean, you know, like, it's nice to have your lip gloss and stuff. And so I would just hide those in my corset. And then just like pull them out of my boobs when I needed them. And so I loved it. And she was just like, and I got Coke and I got this and I got that. And I was like, see, that's what I did with my boobs. Just like not with drugs, yeah. but, you know, with other stuff. Um, but it's pretty quick, like at the beginning of the movie that uh, Marty and Jeff and Denise and Seth pair off. Oh, and Denise keeps getting Seth's name wrong throughout the entire movie. She keeps calling him Wes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was really funny to me. Um, and he's just like, my name is Seth. <laughs> and he he knows her name right away and remembers it, which I really appreciate. I, I liked that yeah. a lot. That she kept screwing up his name, but he very much knew her name. Because I feel like it's usually in a movie like this would be like, I don't know, some chick, you know. Yeah. Um, but he very clearly knew her name. Um, and, uh, okay. And then... 
<laughs> so Marty and Jeff go off together and they go into like an area where the, like with, there's like a fireplace and stuff like a study or whatever. And Marty's basically like, eat the rich. And then she's like, uh, JK. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, you were so close. Um, which was weird because like Jeff's rich, like Marty isn't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we're going back and forth between between the, you know, two couples like at this point. And you find out with Marty and Jeff that like Marty got the car and the clothes and the room in exchange for her English lit notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff joined the house because of like he's a legacy. Yeah. Uh, which, which I will say that's a very real thing. That is a very real thing. It does not, it depends on the house that you're in. Some houses I think have policies where like if you're a legacy, you're automatically in. I believe with our house, we would weigh that against other things, you know, like. Yeah, they're a legacy, so they get, you know, X amount of points on the spreadsheet. Like, basically, you get people, like, evaluate you and evaluate your fit Mm -hmm. in the house. Um, And I think that was given quite a bit of weight in our house. I'm trying to remember. Um, But a lot of other things needed to be considered, too. Like, you couldn't just expect to get in just because you were a legacy. But that really varies from house to house. Um. And we find out that Marty's a mechanic. And then as soon as she starts talking about it, Jeff's like, oh, my car is making this weird noise. And she's like, that's why I don't tell people that I'm a mechanic. I love – I uh, thought that bit was really adorable and um, kind of surprising because because he wasn't like, oh, but you're a g-g-g-girl. He was like, oh, hey, so now that you're saying this, my car is fucked up. What do I do? <laughs> Yeah, and then she's like, "See, this is why I don't tell people." And I, yeah, and he, but he didn't. He wasn't like, "Are you sure you know what car things are?" Because you're a woman yeah. with boobs. And she's like, "Yeah, no, I know." Um, uh, and then so we're with Seth and Denise. Um, <laughs> Seth wants to like you know get down to business, and Denise like Denise is like, "Tell me about surfing." <laughs> And then he's, like, starting to tell her about surfing, like, after they were, like, making out a little bit. And and everything he says, she just turns into, like, a sex joke. Yeah. Which I thought was also great. Like, he was just, like, you know, like, what I, I can't remember all, but it was, like, go in and dip out and whatever. And she's, like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> tell me more. And I was, like, it's pretty funny. Um and then, and at some point he says to her, you're some buzzy chick, which I just thought was a really good line. Um, so, and then outside, we know that some of the, so like the president and some other folks who locked them up are about to start pranking them. Yeah. Uh, and like, they're going to try to scare them. And they make a really big point out of uh, mentioning that there are vents. <laughs> So obviously those are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you go back inside. So like, you know that they're shuffling around outside. You go back inside and there's like a really loud sustained scream. And let's see. Um, wasn't this when, this was when, they started investigating and then they found that like recording yeah. or that speaker in the like upstairs or something. Yeah, in the window, I believe. Yeah. And they were like, ah, oh, screw this. 
pull it out, you know, like whatever. And then one of the guys who was like fiddling with it, who was that? I can't remember. The the other guy. I don't think he got a name. He was just oh, Scott. Scott. Yeah, Scott. Yeah. So he was like fiddling with stuff and he's like, oh, shoot, it's not working. They must have found it. Um, but let's see. Um, around this time, wasn't May like w- wandering around? Yeah, it was. Her and Scott are dispatched around the same time. Yeah. Like, she gets yoinked into a hole and gets murdered. Uh, Scott gets murdered on the roof. Yeah. And um, let's see. So, So Marty and Jeff are talking. They hear another scream. Jeff goes to investigate. And Marty's hanging out. And the candles start flickering. Mm. And then she sees a ghost like a moaning clinking ghost that she thinks is like some kind of projection yeah. that can be turned off. So, and then where Jeff is going, he's like, Hey, cut the shit, you know? Um, so they're trying to figure out what's going on there. Um, but one of the guys, Oh yeah. So Scott, Right around then is that's when he gets his neck snapped. Yeah. Like this thing just comes up behind him and just mm-hmm. just rotates his whole neck and he's gone. Um, like once the killing starts, it happens really quick. It does. So I was like, oh, like it was hard to keep up with. Um, and then okay, Marty and Jeff decide to go to bed while all of this terrible stuff is happening. They're just like, yeah, well, whatever. Um, I mean. If you go to sleep, it can't hurt you. Sure. That's what they think. (laughs) They're just like, let's get away from this weird ghost and all the screaming and stuff. And things are starting to look strange and not just like pranking. But let's not try to worry about it too much. Let's just go to bed. Um, Yeah. And they're like in like a, you know, two twin bed room. And Marty's like, um, your bed's over there. (laughs) Get out of this one, jerk. Uh... And uh, Denise is looking around around this time in her lingerie. She's looking for creeps. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, oh, so then Peter was, oh, wasn't this around the time that she was, she said something about quaaludes? Yes. Didn't she, did she see his mask in the mirror or something, or like think it was a mirror, but it was his mask? Yeah, she looked in the mirror and she thought like, That like her the quaaludes were fucking up her skin. Yeah, and it was like it was like um, yeah, Peter, right? Now I keep messing up the names. No, it was uh, what's the son's name? Er That she saw in the mirror. It was um. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was Peter in that mask. No, well, see, I missed that part. I thought it was. I thought it was definitely one of the Garth. It was Andrew, but it might have been Peter. I thought it was because he came out because right a second later, he came out with that mask. Oh, See, I got yeah. confused. Oh, no, you're right. And then he. OK, OK. And then he was like shouting for Scott, like, OK, I got her. So, like, let's go get her. And he's shouting for Scott and he's not answering, obviously, because he's already dead. Yeah. Um. OK. All right. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. And then. um. So. And then instead of. um. 
Scott is the dead, I wrote. (laughs) But instead of, like, investigating further and trying to figure out what happened, he's like, I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. Um, And he's trying to unlock and get out of out of the manor but instead he gets he gets faced and then he gets stabbed yeah (laughs) so he did not get away successfully um and we go back to marty and jeff uh she can't sleep so she turns on one of the they have like a lot of candles in this house too like let me just say the candle bill very expensive. And they only have four pledges. And I'm certain, like, they set up the candles in the house for, like... That's just, like... That's, like, a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. There's so many candles in this house. Um, but anyway, they they start to make out on a creaky twin bed. Um, <laughs> uh, Denise... Uh, oh, Denise is still saying Wes. Yes. <laughs> Instead of Seth. Um... So they, oh yeah, so wasn't it like they are, they were like, you know, starting to get down to it. And then Seth like goes to the bathroom um, and as he's in the bathroom, two beings come over Denise Mm -hmm. and silence her quickly before she has a chance to alert him. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and then this is the thing that was confusing to me right away was then he comes back to the bed and the head in the bed is May's head. Yeah, May's head, not Denise. That tripped me up yeah. the first time too. So confusing. I was like, I was like, wait, why does he just keep calling her some sorority chick? He, and then, and then when they were like, where's Denise? I was like, Oh, so wait, that was May. Yeah. Um, really weird. Um, so like basically the, the people who are, you know, at this manner and torturing these people just have like no mind for continuity. Um, and it's fine. Uh, so Seth is like, all right, I gotta get the fuck out of here and I gotta go try to get help. That's the best thing I can do right now is like go out and try to find somebody and get help mm-hmm. from them. And so he's like, well, they gave me this gun to shoot my way out. So I'm going to do it. And then he's like, oh, well, like I saw that from a million miles away. I was like, that's not a real gun. That's just going to be blanks. And it's blanks. Mm -hmm. So he's like, great. Well, I guess I got to climb this gate. This murder gate. Yeah, this, uh, you know, nut ripping gate. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he miraculously makes it to the other side. Um. And so, like, you see him off running for help. Uh, Marty and Jeff are hearing some disturbing stuff. They hear tapping. And they're like, all right, we better go find out what that is. And that was Peter, right? Tapping on the glass. Like, his body was tapping against the glass after he got stabbed. Because he had that weird parrot on his shoulder or whatever. And they were like, oh, my God. Um so they're dealing with that horror as Seth is out banging on doors looking for help. Um, and see, this just keeps going back and forth because, like, then Jeff finds dead guy number two, mm-hmm. um, Scott. Um, and then Seth goes to the police and they're unhelpful. <laughs> uh, and they're just like, we don't want any more shit coming from your fraternity right now. And he was like, are you kidding me? People are dying. And that, they're like, that's what makes me don't. think it was 
Halloween. Halloween. Because if the police are like really burnt out by the night already, Halloween in like a college town would probably be why. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so they were just like, we're not dealing with your shit today. And he was like, but people are dead. And they're like, we don't really care. <laughs> he was like, all right, great. Um, So I guess I got to take care of it myself because what else can I do? Um, And Marty and Jeff are hiding in the bedroom and Jeff has a pitchfork. Yeah. Um, but of course, they're not looking behind them because, you know, common sense doesn't exist in movies like this. Yeah. I, I um, love that. That was like the first time I saw that that bit, the the rising rug just kind of like made me jump out of my skin, not gonna lie. It was really creepy. And then and then Jeff's like, I will stab it with the pitchfork. Yes. And then it just crumples and you're like, wait, what? That was way too easy. Like I was like, that can't have been it because that was super simple. Yes. You know? Um, yeah, so, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, because of course there's like a tunnel mm-hmm. underneath where, so he slunk down into, it just happened to be this like perfect thing, you know, where he slunk down into a tunnel. Um, so, <laughs> so then they're like, well, I guess we have to go into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um and go find out what's going on and very brave and uh, so they start going down to the tunnel and then you know it's fine it's fine guys Denise is fine because she's just downstairs having dinner with rat friends and skeletons and she's dead and it's fine no. <laughs> it's totally fine uh, so that was very disturbing Um, so there's like a lot of dead people down there yeah what? Yeah, so like the whole family, basically. It's a whole family affair. Uh, and then Lurch comes, you know, c- coming to <laughs> uh, And uh, they they successfully get out of the tunnel. And then they run into Seth, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes back with um, a gun. And he's like, I'm back because nobody helped me. But I have a gun. And then he, and then as he's explaining how he's going to help them, he gets stabbed and dragged. Yeah. It's just like, no, no. Uh, uh, but, but then, but then, um, who, wait, doesn't, Marty picks up the gun. Yeah, Marty gets the gun because she's yeah, and just, the last competent person in the house. Absolutely. And rifle to the chest, you know. Um, and then, um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I missed a part. I'm sorry. Um, Seth gets stabbed and dragged. He kills somebody. He kills someone with a gun. Mm-hmm. And then they come out of the water and rise up one more time and he hits him again. And then he comes in all confident. And then he gets, then he killed. gets killed. I'm so sorry. I missed the part where Seth did something very heroic. Mm-hmm. Um, then Marty heads for the gun. And... They're trying to fight off the attackers, but then Jeff gets thrown out the window. Yes. Dramatic also. And he's dead now. Um, he is very dead. Um, and Marty's working on her escape, and she just keeps running into grabby hands, dead bodies, or killers. Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, this is the part where everything happens really fast and it's right at the end and I get confused. But she gets she gets the keys for the car out of the hands of it was either Peter or Scott. I believe it was right? Peter. Peter would have the keys. That's right. That would make sense. So he's got the keys. So she pries the keys out of his hands. She escapes and she gets into the car. Uh, but then she can't make it past the gate. But she does end up hitting the last living attacker with her car. Yes. Yeah. And then just loses her shit and just lays on the horn and falls asleep there until the morning. Mm -hmm. Where then she just looks around at all the wreckage around her and is like, well, I guess I better go somewhere and do something about it. Did I encapsulate the end properly? Yes, that is exactly. Okay. That's how I witnessed it. Okay. It's like it happens. All that shit happens so fast at the end. It does. That you're just like, what the, you know. And I was kind of surprised by their choice of only having one person live. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was but, still in the middle of like the slasher thing. And like even though like they did a few things different with the existing tropes. There is still like, it was very much in that time period. There is to be one survivor, like just one final girl. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it kind of, I don't know. Some of the stuff made me think of like the strangers a little bit. Um, yeah. Or something like that, you know, like the, or, um, uh, blah, 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 uh, Oh my gosh, I have it in my head. Hold on. Let me make sure I've got the name right. What the heck is it called? Um, You know, it's like, would you like to play a game? Is it would you rather? No, no saw, saw. No, 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 no. Um, it's, it's. There was a European and an American version. Uh, it's about two guys who... Oh, Head Games. Yeah? Is that it? I think so. Is it the movie where I they, don't... like, break the fourth wall a bunch and, like, rewind on the couple and, like, redo the scene? Um, no, it's... um. Hold on. Ugh. Oh my god! It's just oh, fun, funny games. Funny games. Wait, yeah, wait, funny, funny games. Funny games. Um, yeah, funny games. It's like a little funny gamesy, a little, but it, except more slasher, like less psychological and more slasher. Yeah, but it's kind of like that whole, you know, like they're probably totally fucked, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's that kind of a feeling. That's what I was trying to get across, and I like could not do it. Um. But I, I have watched both versions of Funny Games and love them both. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It, I know why they did it, because, yeah, it felt like, I mean, very classic, like Halloween or, um, you know, Friday the 13th or whatever, where there's like one person coming out and, and you know, and they wake up in the morning, the smoke clears the what you know, and, and then the, it just ends and they're left with like all this wreckage around them. Like that's a pretty, yeah, you know, normal, normal thing to, to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also kind of reminded me of, um, until dawn, 
uh, which is a really fun game to play. And I want to play it like 20 more times because I've only played it like once and I would love to play it more. Um, I'm, I'm a, but that's I'm on like my third playthrough and I okay. got so mad because um, I wasn't trying to like read like, oh, where do I find this, this and this? And I always missed the thing behind the fucking rock to get the last clue. Oh. So I could end with a full deck. See, I, so I was, I've only played it once. Like I said, I played it on stream uh, with business and I was, um, I was one decision away from leaving with five people. Oh. And I made the wrong decision at the last second and killed three. Oh, no. And I was so mad. So I only walked out with two and I was like, what the hell? Um, But yeah, I would love I would love to play out every scenario. And I guess my point is, I feel like this is one of those movies where you're like, there's a lot of decisions that could have been made where they could have all made it out of life mm-hmm. or they could have all died or any combination. And that's like, I think that's why I think of Until Dawn, because I'm like, I feel like some of these deaths probably didn't need to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if you had just looked over to your right, you would not be dead because you could have just kapowed that guy, you know. But, you know, that's not what happened. If so, you could have taken less drugs, like, maybe you yeah. would have been more aware that someone's looking at you while you're laying on the bed. Yeah, there's just stuff like that that you think, well, that could have that could have gone a different way pretty easily where it didn't. It didn't necessarily feel like a hopeless situation, but you're like, they're not well equipped and they're going to fail. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I liked this movie more than I thought I would. And yeah, I do not think Linda Blair deserves a Razzie for it because I think she was probably the best actor yeah. in the whole movie. So I don't understand that at all. I think she did a pretty good job. Like, you know, some of, some of the acting, especially like I said, with like Peter Scott and May was like really corny. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just like that shit felt like cheesy seventies movies. And so I really appreciated that at least they were doing some character development inside. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have like a rating system. I guess we could give things scoops or something. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds good. Like, well, how many out of five scoops? Yeah, I give it like a like a two and a half out of five scoops cool, or something cool. like that. Like I was I was pleasantly surprised and it was better than I thought it would be. But of course, like I can't rank it as high as like, you know, I don't know, some of the amazing things that we have watched together. <laughs> oh, for sure. I feel like yeah. I liked it for the reasons I stated, the character development and everything. And um I just I love a good um cheesy haunted house movie yeah and i like a good slasher film and i really liked the marriage of the two subgenres. and um i like there was this review where someone's like who enjoyed the movie and they're like i wouldn't have been surprised if someone moved a curtain aside and vincent price stepped out mm. so yeah i i liked i i liked how it was it was like ha- house of haunted hill House on Haunted Hill means yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I guess Friday the 13th just because of like how silent and seemingly unkillable uh, the uh, the killers were. 
Yeah, totally. Well, and like that whole um, rising up yeah. from the, you know, from the water again, it's just, I will never forget. And I mean, if you guys haven't watched Friday the 13th by now, like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to spoil the end yeah. for you because I don't even care because what are you, what are you even doing with your time? But like the last like 10 seconds of that movie um, really affected me for a super duper long time. I watched it when I was like a sophomore in high school okay. um, at a friend's house. Uh, you know, like basically it was, this was the ritual and this was with multiple girl groups, which I think is really interesting. The girls that I hung out with in high school, but what we would do is we would go to a dance. And then after that school dance, we would go to someone's house and we would watch scary movies like the whole night. Yeah. That seems like something you would do. Yeah. And we would like, you know, undo each other's hair, like take all the bobby pins out of each other's hair and whatever and like eat a bunch of food and, you know, watch like The Bone Collector and Gothica and shit. Um, And those were actual movies that we watched at someone's house once. That was fun. Um, So one so one time we're like, all right, let's watch Friday the 13th. And we this was the first time I never watched it. And I, like, had finally relaxed, you know, like, all right, I feel okay. We're, we made it through. Everything's fine. And then he jumps out out of the water oh, yeah. and just, like, capsizes the canoe and or the rowboat. And I was just like, no, I was so sad. And I, and that, and I just, and I was, and then we watched, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, kind of like as a palate cleanser before we went to sleep. Uh-huh. But I just kept playing that last 10 seconds of the movie over and over again in my mind. And I couldn't get to sleep. I was so disturbed. That, I think, because I saw uh, Friday the 13th after I had already seen Carrie. So it def- the the thing didn't, I guess, startle me as much as it startled you. But the hand thing in Carrie definitely scarred me as a sixth grader. And um, yeah, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I, I had watched that at my dad's house. And it was interesting because my dad is like, yeah, I watched this at a drive through when I was in high school. And like the whole time talking about how paranoid he was driving home in the dark and everything. But um, so I went to the bathroom afterwards and I'm still, like, thinking about that ending. And I can't, excuse me, I can't remember if it was my dad or my friend, but they, like, slammed their shoulder into the bathroom door. And um, I almost died, I feel like. I can still remember, like, my heart was <laughs> seizing up. And I, I slipped. <laughs> but, oh, my God. And so because of that, like, the ending on Carrie will always stick with me. Yeah, I love I mean, it's kind of nice like to have those moments, but not in not in the moment because no. you're just like I just want this to go away and I just want to not deal with it. So, so that's so anything that kind of harkens back to I mean, everything about Friday the 13th is so iconic. Yes. Like that movie is amazing. Um but like, cause I just remember it was like one of the first times too, I was like with a group of girls and we were all yelling at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, why did you pick the frying pan? You idiot. <laughs> You're in a kitchen full of knives and you grab the frying pan. You're so dumb. You're so dumb. You know? Yeah. Like just 
so mad and all the deranged mommy stuff and like, oh, I mean, just oh, the movie is so perfect. Um, <laughs> but those, but the last 10 seconds really scarred me. Really. I, I don't know what it is. I think out of all of like the classic three like franchises, I feel like Friday the 13th is my least favorite. Really? Yes. Oh, it's interesting. I think for me it is because it was like one of the first. Like I always I I kind of didn't think that I liked horror movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like I don't really think it's my thing. And then I watched Friday the 13th and I was like I actually really enjoyed that. And then I started watching more horror movies. Yeah. So that was kind of my gateway. It was your gateway. Scream was my gateway. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think if I I mean, because I watched some, like, weird – because, like, my parents (laughs) let me watch some strange shit growing up. So, like, I watched some bizarre and maybe, like, disturbing – so, like, I watched The Birds. Mm -hmm. I I didn't think that was disturbing. Um, My mom thought it was. I thought it was cheesy. Uh, because effects have changed so much. Yeah. But my mom, but my point is my mom would have me watch like Hitchcock movies and stuff. Um, and she was really into that kind of stuff. But um, we didn't really watch a lot of like horror as a family. Yeah. And so I really had to seek it out from friends. friends like yeah. they would be like, this movie is really important and you should watch it. Um, and so that's how I watched like, yeah, like Friday the 13th. That's how I started watching the Halloween movies. That's how I start, started watching Nightmare on Elm Street, I think. And then, um, and like movies like Flatliners um, and like, yeah, like Gothica, The Bone Collector, yeah. like Seven, if you can put it in that category. Um, like all of those movies were ones I watched outside of my house with other people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and then like as I got older, I was like, oh, I guess I just like horror movies. <laughs> I don't know why I was like so resistant to saying that for so long. My mom just didn't have them in the house. Um, she didn't like me even reading scary books because like I did have like a very, very, very active imagination to the point where like around the time I was three on, I would, I had night terrors and no one knows like how they came on. And I was like a very like I was, I was a sleepwalker, all that stuff. So I think my mom just purged the house of anything horror if she could handle, if she could. And I definitely got exposed to horror through um, my friends groups. And like you said, just watching them at parties in like the basement. But I think by time I, got into junior high was when like my mom stopped really monitoring um what I was consuming and then that's really when like I would go to the local video store and come back with like a big stack of classic horror yeah nice yeah yeah I don't know and I still feel like for me I'm very behind like there's there's super classic stuff that I haven't watched so um, or haven't watched in a long time or like don't remember as well as I should. So um, that's another great reason to be doing this podcast because yes. <laughs> it, it like makes me watch more stuff. Um, well, and like my boyfriend is not like a horror movie person. I did not make him watch Hell Night, but I have made him watch more 
you know, I'm like, well, these are more psychological. And he's like, well, that makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I know, but I still want you to watch them. So like, it was weird because he thought he hadn't seen Get Out before. And then we started watching it and he's like, wait, I've seen this. And I'm like, you did? And he's like, yeah, didn't we watch it together? I was like, no. And he's like, oh, I thought we did. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so we still don't know who he watched it with or when we, he watched it, but he had watched it before. Yeah. But I'm able to get him to watch, you know, like Jordan Peele and Ari Aster and stuff like that. Where Hereditary is on my list to show him because yeah. he hasn't seen that yet. Um, I always get but- I always get Nick with like the – because uh, my husband's a huge um, film nerd. So I always get him with, oh, but you should check out the sound mixing, the sound engineering in this movie. And so he's now a horror guy. And I'm surprised he is that he got back on the horse because like silly me threw him off the like it was like throwing a baby off the end of the dock. The first me movie that I ever showed him was um, Insidious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to be really careful with like the horror movies that I show him so that, you know, it's like my my taste is very um, respected by him. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he, he'll say like, I really he's like, I think you have really good taste in movies. And I so I don't want to show him some. But the weird thing is he has really bad taste sometimes, like on purpose. Yeah. You know, like we've watched uh, Tango and Cash and Commando and. Um, uh, you know, Smokey and the Bandit shit. I would never watch, <laughs> and he thinks it's great because he was like a kid or pretty young when it came out. So those are like his memories, and he thinks they're awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't get it. Um, so I think there are certain like if I don't even think Hell Knight is over the top enough to to qualify as something that is so bad it's good yeah that he would like because that i could totally get him to watch too yeah um but for example like i would like i we haven't i don't think we talked about the new halloween oh i Um, love it i loved it i thought it was so great well and i when i when i saw that danny mcbride was one of the writers i was like oh yeah yeah like hell i love his writing um so I was very pleased with that. And it's like, I would love him for him to watch like, yeah, like the new Halloween because it was so well done. Yeah, that's a favorite um, in our house. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I I heard some people say they were disappointed by it. And I was like, what just, what were you disappointed by? What is there by? to was, disappoint you? <laughs> it was funny and intelligent and like really cool. Um, but anyway, so... <laughs> I, I would like to show him that. He really liked Happy Death Day. Um, and he liked the second one okay. I He likes it more uh, that, the way I react to those movies. Yeah. He just thinks it's fun to watch me get really excited. Because <laughs> um, I loved those movies. I thought they were just great. Um, but he, yeah, I think he watched Midsummer, And he was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about it. And I was like, that's an okay place to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a movie With to a movie watch like as a couple. <laughs> well, I was, well, you know, in some way, I think it's cathartic when you come out of really bad relationships and you've both commiserated about them to watch a movie like yeah. that. It's kind of therapeutic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, just let them burn. Um, I just, you know. I just remember sitting next to you during Midsummer, and like 
just the under our breath stuff we were saying about <laughs> the main dude the whole time. He was the worst. He was. Oh, oh my god, I hated him so much. Um, and I didn't feel any more sympathetic on a second viewing. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I guess that wraps us up for now. I'm sure we could just keep babbling about this stuff forever. Yeah. Um, but we'll be we'll be back soon with another installment. We're we've been talking about maybe doing some anthologies. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I uh, there's a really good one that I want you to watch if it's accessible. So. Okay, cool. So we'll just leave it as a mystery for now. You're just going to have to tune in to find out Ooh. what it is. Ooh. But until then, you know, be safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, mm-hmm. be good to each other, be healthy, and don't be racist. Don't be racist. All right, bye. Bye.